Well, I want to welcome you here to Big Valley Grace. Uh, welcome over in the, the venue, and I'm thankful for the team that leads worship and singing and, and all of that over there. If you're watching online, I want to welcome you. If you're listening on the radio, blessings. Um, but especially those of you that are here for the first time. Uh, everybody in this room at one time or another uh, came to Big Valley Grace for the very first time. And so we're all acquainted with some of the anxiety, you know, what's that little green thing going by, the basket, the bread, the cup, what's all this stuff, standing up, sitting down. And uh, right now we're just going to spend some time in God's Word. And if you have a Bible, you can turn to Nehemiah chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, all of the verses, or at least most of them, will be inside your program, or they'll be up on the jumbotrons because we want you to see the Word of God for yourself. And so we just give this to you as a... Um, as a, a tool. Uh, we're in a series here at Big Valley Grace where we're looking at the life of, of Nehemiah. And uh, to use Bobby Kirchner's illustration, Nehemiah was a real follower of God. He wasn't a fan. He was a, 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 a real follower. It's really a series on leadership. I've told you over and over and over again uh, over the last nine weeks that we're all leaders. Whether you like that thought or not, we're all leaders. Some of you are leaders in your home, right? You have the title of dad, you have the title of mom, that makes you a leader. Maybe you're the firstborn child in your home. That comes with some special um, responsibilities and uh, you're a leader in your home. Some of you are the leaders at the places that you work, right? You're the manager, you're the supervisor. We have a lot of vice presidents here. We have a lot of senior vice presidents. We have presidents of companies. We have CFOs and CEOs that are part of our, our church family. You're a leader in, in your business. Some of you are, are leaders at the businesses you own. A lot of business owners call Big Valley Grace their home. And you're just not the owner of the business. You're the, you're the leader. Some of you are leaders in the classrooms that you teach in. It's unbelievable how many teachers, public school teachers, private school teachers, teachers from our own school attend Big Valley Grace or are a part of this family. You're a leader in your classroom. Some of you are, um, are students in those classrooms and you're leaders. Some of you are leaders on the sports teams that you play on, right? You're the captain of the team. You're the, you're, 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 uh, uh, you know, one of the guys that gets to go out to the 50-yard line and shake hands and be involved in the coin toss and all that kind of stuff. Leadership comes with some, some extra privileges. Some of you are the leaders of your small group. Some of you are leaders right here in the church. You're all leaders of your own life. Nobody has more influence over you than you do. You lead your own life. We're all leaders. The question is, what kind of a leader are you? See, that, that's, the, that's the, the weighty question. Are you a good leader? Are you a bad leader? Do you use your influence for good, for God-honoring purposes? Do you use your influence for bad? You see, you're a leader. The issue is, what kind of leader are you? And over the last nine weeks, I've received lots of... Um, Lots of emails and texts and things like that, phone calls. And it's been kind of fun to see how the Holy Spirit's been working in your lives. For some of you, this has not been an easy series to be in. 
The Holy Spirit has been doing an incredible work in your life. You have recognized you haven't been a good leader in your home. You haven't been a, a good leader in the classroom that you taught in. You haven't been a good leader on the team that you play on. You really haven't been a, a good leader at the business that you own. You haven't been a good leader of your own life. And the good news is, is that the Holy Spirit is alive and, and well in your life. And the Holy Spirit often convicts us and helps us to see the things that we need to change in our lives. You see, I'm not interested in you coming, singing a couple of songs, and I share a few thoughts with you and you walk out the door. That, that, that is not the goal here. My goal isn't just to give you a bunch of knowledge. All that does, the Bible says, is puff you up. The goal is, is that you become a doer of the word, as our brother James says. Not just to give you a bunch of data, but that, that data would somehow, with the Holy Spirit's help, begin to transform your life, that you, you actually do it, that you actually see some areas of your life and go, man, I'm not the husband I ought to be. I'm not the wife I ought to be. I'm not the firstborn child that I ought to be. I'm not the teacher that I ought to be. I'm not the manager or the supervisor or the vice president or the CEO I ought to be. I'm not the leader of my business that I ought to be. I'm not even leading my own life very well. And the Holy Spirit begins to do something and you begin to make some changes. And it's been fun to read how the Lord has been working in your life. I know it's not easy. But the... The option is, the other only option is, is that you hear the message, you walk out of here, and you say, you know what, I'm not going to change. I, I don't really, you know, I, I, I don't care. This is who I am, and, and, you know, my family either, you know, gets it or they don't. And this is the kind of manager I am, you know, this is the kind of supervisor I am. This is the kind of CEO I am. This is the kind of business owner I am, man. But the cool thing is, is that God has just been at work through this um, this book of Nehemiah. He's the perfect person to look at when it comes to leadership because he was a great leader. He's taught us the importance of prayer. He's taught us the importance of planning and organizing. He's taught us the importance of motivation. He's taught us the importance of dealing swiftly with those that come against our leadership. Last week, he taught us the importance of being mindful of the temptations that come with being a leader, and today he's gonna to teach us the importance of, of never giving up, or how to be a super leader, or maybe a super achiever. Verse uh, 15 of our text says this, so the wall was completed in 52 days. And I want you to know that that's just unbelievable. In 52 days, Nehemiah built the whole wall around Jerusalem. We've been studying the book of Nehemiah longer than it took him to actually rebuild the wall. <laughs> Think that through. Th th this guy was off the hook, man. He was unbelievable. What was his secret? How was he able to pull off such an incredible uh, feat? I mean, they've been trying to rebuild that wall for decades. He did in 52 days. How do, you, how do you do that? Well, that's what we're gonna talk about today, but what I need to do is I need to set up the story, and this is for those of you that are visiting with us the first time. Maybe you know very little about the Bible. Maybe you know nothing about the Bible. Maybe this is the first time you've ever seen a Bible. And I wanna make sure that you understand the story. 
Because if you don't understand the story, then what I'm going to talk about doesn't make much sense. Nehemiah was written about 2,500 years ago, and the Jewish people lived in a city called Jerusalem, still there today. And God said to the Jewish people, hey, here's the deal. Here's, here are my commands. Here's my law. I want you to live according to, you know, my word. And as long as you live according to my word, I'll blow your mind. I'll take care of you, and things will just be unbelievable. It's kind of like in our home. Um, in my home, I, I give our, our, our children some, some commands, if you will, some decrees, if you will. My wife and I have some rules that we want our family to live by. And, uh, you know, Cade tonight has to take the garbage cans out to the side of the road. Uh, he's got to, you know, pick up the dog, you know, stuff. There are things that are his responsibility to do. There are things my middle daughter, it's her responsibility to do, my oldest daughter. And as long as they do those things, man, it's unbelievable. Life's pretty good for them. They get a roof over their head, food to eat, clothes, all the kind of stuff. It's really kind of a great gig. But you know what happens when, when you don't do what mom and dad tell you to do? Life stinks. There's, there's a consequence to not following the instructions of their dad or their mother. And the same thing is true with God. If you choose to blow God off, he's no different than any dad or any mom. I mean, there are consequences that come with blowing off God. And when the Jewish people heard God's laws and decrees, they said, no, thank you, God. We don't want to live by your rules. And that came with a consequence. And the consequence was God allowed a, uh, an invading army, a Persian army, to come to Jerusalem. And, and in those days, you would build a huge wall around your city, and that's what protected you. They didn't have, like, police departments and sheriff's departments. They didn't have, you know, 911. You put a big wall up, and that's what protected you. So this invading army came, and they had battering rams, and they busted down the gates, and they busted down all the walls. They went inside the city and messed up all the houses and all the commercial real estate that was in there. The, 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 the Jews had a special building that they would worship God in called the temple, and they wiped all that out. They killed a lot of people, and then they, they rounded up everybody that was still alive. And they deported them from Jerusalem to a, a place called Babylon, a city called Babylon. It's where Iraq is today. And so they, 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 they took all of these Jewish people and, and took them into captivity and took them to Babylon where they stayed for decades. The, 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 the penalty for disobeying God is, was severe. But... Like you see throughout all of the Bible, God begins to extend his grace to the Jewish people, and decades later, he allowed the Jews to come back to Jerusalem. It was about 800 to 1,000 miles from Jerusalem to Babylon. And so they began to come back, and obviously when they showed up, the walls were all a mess, and you know, the you know, weeds had grown all over it, and varmints were running around, and you know, there were probably looters and all kinds of things. I mean, it was, it was not a good, good gig. I mean, they, they came back to a real crappy situation. So the morale was down. I'm sure the people were all depressed. But God allowed their temple to at least be rebuilt so they could worship God. Well, Nehemiah was back in Babylon, and he had become kind of close with the king. The king was a guy by the name of Artaxerxes, and he had made his way, Nehemiah had made his way up the, the Persian government chain, if you will, and became close with the king. 
And one day he goes to the king and he says, hey, king, can I go back to Jerusalem? Can I go back to, you know, the city that my, you know, grandpa was born at and my, my grandma was born and all of that. My dad and mom were born there. I'd like to go back there and help rebuild that city. And King Artaxerxes says, yes, you go, Nehemiah. And so Nehemiah makes the four or five month journey. It's about how long it would have taken on a camel or whatever. He gets to uh, Jerusalem and you know, he gets out his protractor and his, you know, his uh, uh, measuring stick and he begins to look at the walls and sees that everything's a mess and he comes up with a plan. He organizes all of the people and they begin to work on the wall. They begin to build this wall up again and there's families all around the wall and things are going really, really well. But whenever you try to do something great for God, there's always going to be opposition. And Nehemiah had some opposition. There was a guy by the name of Sanballat, a, a guy by the name of Tobiah and Geshem. There were some Arabs and some Ammonites that, that lived out there. And they didn't like the idea that the walls were being rebuilt. And they began to cause all kinds of problems for Nehemiah. And he had to deal with those problems. And we've looked at some of those things. We're going to look at some here this morning. About halfway done, things started to get a little crazy because the leaders that were inside the city... The governors and the, the, the mayor, if you will, the city council members, uh, the supervisors, those that were in authority, we looked at this last week, they began to take advantage of their leadership. They began to take advantage of their power and they began to, you know, really mess with the Jewish people and now they had discord within the walls. So not only did they have the bad guys out there trying to goof them up, now they got discord within their own city. And we saw how uh, leadership can cause all kinds of problems if, 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 you're, not, if you're not careful. Well, now the, the, the walls now have been rebuilt. When you get to Nehemiah chapter 6, the, the walls have basically been rebuilt. But there are some things that, that are happening that are going down that I want us to look at. So let's let um, Max read Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 16. Nehemiah 6. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aide to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So come, let us confer together. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Delaiah, the son of Mehetabel, who was shut in at his house. He said, let us meet in the house of God. 
inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night they are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Sanbalat, O my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who have been trying to intimidate me. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. When all of our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. So as I've told you throughout this series, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, it's good just to know Jewish history. It's good just to know how God was interfacing with uh, you, you know, the Jews in the Old Testament. That in and of itself is a good thing. But I also uh, want to try to tease out some, some thoughts that we might be able to apply to our lives today as, as leaders. And I want us to look again at verse 15. So, so the wall was completed in 52 days. And what I want to do is I want to look at what his secret was. Uh, I want to look at how Nehemiah, though he was facing all kinds of opposition, Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem and Shema and, and, and the leaders within, you know, the, the, the Jewish people. How was he able to rebuild these walls in 52 days? What made him such a, a, a great leader or a super leader or a super achiever or, or whatever? And I'm going to give you three things, okay? Number one, you want to be a super achiever? Never give up. Never give up. Keep working in spite of the schemes to stop you. Look at verse two. But they were scheming to harm me. Nehemiah in his journal, which is basically what the first seven chapters of Nehemiah are, are his journal, he says these people, these losers, these crummy people out there were scheming to hurt me. These people tried over and over and over again to somehow get Nehemiah sidetracked. Four times they came to him with a scheme to try to get Nehemiah to stop building the wall. They sent people to him and said, Nehemiah, let's get together and have a little peace conference. Let's get together and have some coffee and let's just talk about what you're doing. And all four times, Nehemiah said, no. I'm doing something really great here. I'm doing the work of God here. I'm not going to stop doing what God has called me to do. I'm not shutting down the work crews so I can get together and have a committee meeting with you. I'm not going to do it. He knew what God's will was for his life. And he wasn't going to allow some people out there to say, hey, let's, let's, let's you know, just relax a little bit. T take it easy. Let's get together and, and, and confer. Well, there's always going to be people out there that are going to try to, you know, get you sidetracked. People will try to get you to stop doing what God has called you to do. There's always going to be people out there. Listen to me. God has called you to love your spouse. He's called you to be faithful to your spouse. 
Who's out there trying to sidetrack that? Who's out there trying to sidetrack that? You got some secretary trying to sidetrack that, guys? You got somebody at work, ladies, that is trying to sidetrack you being a great wife? Some guy you work with at your office or whatever? You see, Nehemiah had to deal with Sanballat, you know, Tobiah and Geshem. They're still around today. They haven't gone anywhere. And God has called you to be a great husband, a great wife, to be faithful to one another. Who's out there trying to sidetrack that? Maybe it's a boss who wants you to work 80, 90 hours in a week so you can't ever go home and have a great family time, right? Do, do, do you know who the sand ballots are in your life? Do you know who the Tobias are? you know who the Geshams are? Do, do you have any clue? Somebody you're getting a little close to on the texting, you know? Nehemiah had, had, a, had a job to do from God, rebuild the wall, and he had opposition. You've got a job to do, men, husbands, wives. I guarantee you, there will be people out there trying to destroy that. Guarantee it. God has called you to raise your children to God's glory, right? Who's out there trying to sidetrack that? Mom, dad, do you know who your kids' friends are? Sanballat is still alive and well. Geshem is still alive and well. Tobiah is still out there. All kinds of people that will try to destroy what you are imparting to your children. I was a youth pastor here for 20 years and it always used to amaze me that, um, you know, if you asked a mom and dad, hey, um, you know, who repairs your car? Oh, his name is Joe. He's up on, you know, 9th Street. And here's the deal. He's an expert in, you know, Toyotas and his foreign cars. And they can rattle off all this stuff about the guy that's going to repair a piece of steel. Then you said, hey, um, I noticed your, your daughter's got a boyfriend. You know anything about him? Uh, no, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't have a clue who he is. So you know who your mechanic is. You wouldn't let anybody get near a piece of steel but you have no idea who's going out with your daughter. Unbelievable. Talk about neglect. Listen, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem are still around. There are people out there that want to destroy your family. Do you know who your kids' friends are? You should. The Bible says that bad company corrupts good morals. You can, you can put a whole lot of juice into your family and raising your children to the glory of God. You can send them off to our Christian school. You can do a lot of great things, but let me tell you something. All it takes is one person strategically placed God has called you to serve him somewhere, right? Who's out there trying to sidetrack that? God's called you to live a life that brings honor and glory to him. Who, who, who's sidetracking that? 
Do, do you know who you're hanging out with? Maybe it's the guys after work. Hey, let's go. We're, you know, and, 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 you know, Saturday night, they always want you to go out and stay out late, late so you can never get to church. Or if you do get to church, you're tired, man. Some of you are just really tired here today. You're here. Thank the Lord for that. But, man, there were some guys that kept you out really late last night, man. Really late. So here you are. You really can't pay all that much attention. Because Sandballot and Geesham and Tobiah don't want you to really zero in on what the Lord might have to say to you today. Here's one of the great leadership laws. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Now, I didn't come up with that. Somebody else did, but that's pretty brilliant. And let me tell you the sad thing. There are some of you in this room, bless your souls, you don't know what the main thing is. You don't know. So you can't keep the main thing the main thing because you don't even know what it is. You know why Nehemiah got that wall done in 52 days? He knew what the main thing was. He knew what God's will is for his life. And he wasn't going to let all these guys that ever came to him four times. Hey, come on, man. Why don't you stop? Let's get together. Put the work crews down. Give him a break. No. He knew what the main thing was. And nothing was going to get in the way of it. Let me, you know, four times he tells these guys no. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Christian, listen to me. Who's out there in your life that you need to say no to? Maybe it's a boyfriend you're dating who's a total loser. Maybe it's a girlfriend you have. Oh, they're cute. <laughs> but they're not lifting you to new heights in your walk with the Lord. Who's out there you need to say no to? Maybe it's a secretary. Maybe it's somebody who, at, at your health club. Maybe it's that old Facebook friend who, met up with you about two or three months ago, right? Somebody you need to say no to? You see, it's God's will you have a great marriage. It's God's will you be faithful to your wife. It's God's will that you be faithful to your family. It's God's will you be a great manager, a great CEO, a great business owner. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I just know that probably all of us have somebody we need to look at and say, no! God's got something great planned for me. No. So the first thing you have to do if you want to be a super leader, achiever, or whatever, is, is to never give up. You, you keep doing whatever it is that God's called you to do in spite of people's schemes to stop you. Number two, never give up. Okay? Uh, <laughs> Keep working in spite of the lies that people will tell about you. This story just keeps getting just really great. Verse 5 says, then the fifth time. So we said no, 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 no. And evil doesn't stop. Doesn't stop. Just about the time we put a new filter on our computer systems here to make sure all that porn and evil doesn't get in. Evil figures out a new way to get in. Yeah. 
The fifth time, Sam Ballot sent his aide to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in, in which was written. This is what was written. Now, Nehemiah opens it up. He's reading this letter. It is reported amongst the nations, and Geshem says it's true. A total loser. Oh, Geshem says it's true. Gotta be true. No. All the more reason why this is bogus. That you and the Jews are plotting to revolt. And therefore, you're building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become the king. And you've appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There's a king in, in, in Judah. Now, this report is going to get back to King Artaxerxes. King Artaxerxes is going to hear what you're doing, Nehemiah. You're setting yourself up to be a king. You're setting up prophets who are going to make a big announcement, right? I send him this reply. Nothing like what you're saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for work and they won't be able to complete it if they know that King Artaxerxes is going to find out about this. He'll send the cavalry down and wipe them out, right? But I prayed. But I prayed. I prayed. Now strengthen my hands. These crummy guys are trying to slander him now and discredit him. They're, they're telling everybody that Nehemiah was simply out to build his own empire. They were out and out lying about him. They say, Nehemiah is going to rebel against King Artaxerxes. He's setting up everything so that he'll be, you know, the next king. They were lying. They were stirring up trouble. They were hoping that their lies would somehow cause him to stop the work, but he didn't. He never gave up. He knew what the main thing was. He said, no, I'm not stopping the work on this wall. Here's the bottom line. A anybody that sets a, a big goal is gonna be criticized and slandered. In fact, I want you to know something. The bigger your goal is, the greater you want your own personal life to be for God's glory, the greater you want your marriage to be for God's glory, the greater you want your family to be for God's glory, the greater you want your business to be for God's glory, the greater you're gonna experience all kinds of crummy things. Who had the, the, the greatest goal in history? It was Jesus. The Bible says this in Acts chapter one, but you will receive power, he's got his guys all gathered around, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you're gonna be my witnesses. You're gonna tell people about me everywhere in Jerusalem. And I'm sure the guys went, wow, Jerusalem, this is a big city. But you know, I think we can probably handle that, guys. It might take us a while. But Jesus didn't stop there, he had a way bigger goal than that. He said, but not only Jerusalem, but all throughout Judea. And I'm sure the guys went, whoa, 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 Jerusalem's going to be big enough, pal. Settle down there, big fella. <laughs> you, 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 Jerusalem's a pretty big goal. Now Judea, and he wasn't done. And Samaria. <laughs> Did he just say Samaria? Crud, how are we going to, I can't even get to my neighbors, let alone all of Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. <sighs> he, he had some of that tea. He, he, <laughs> He's, he's, not doing, he's not doing well. And then Jesus says, no, no, no. 
My goal's even bigger than all of that. I want you to go and reach the entire world. Whoa. Jesus wasn't joking, by the way. He was serious. Guys, I want you to go and I want you to literally reach your neighborhood, your town, your city, your county, your state, your region, the United States. No, let's just make it the whole world, guys. That's what you call a huge goal. Now, who was the most falsely accused man in history? Jesus. They're still telling lies about him today, aren't they? They were telling lies about him 2,000 years ago, and they're telling lies about him today. You see, the bigger your goal, the bigger your dreams, the more you want to do for God, the greater you want your own life to bring honor to God, your family, whatever it might be, the more people are just going to come at you. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5. I shared it with you a couple weeks ago. God blesses you when people mock you. God blesses you when people persecute you. God blesses you when people lie about you and say all sorts of evil against you because you're my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. In other words, you can go all the way back in your Bible. I don't know, go all the way back to Noah. They persecuted Noah. They made fun of Noah. They mocked Noah. They made fun of him, didn't they? Oh, yeah, it's going to rain. Sure. And then Noah just passed it on to the next prophet. I don't know, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, you picked the prophet. Everybody made fun of him. Everybody mocked him. And then it got to Jesus. And then it got to Paul and Peter. And the baton has simply been passed down to you. Now listen, if you're a fan, don't worry about it. You, you, won't be, you won't be hassled. But if you're a follower, buckle your seatbelt. See, there's some bad news. If you truly say, I want to go from being a fan to a follower, there's going to be people, maybe multiple people, who will come up against you. There might be friends that'll come up against you. It might be a coworker that'll come up against you. It might be a boss that comes up against you. It might be an organization that'll come up against you. There's a good chance that the government's gonna come up against you. Let me just tell you something, people. You're looking at a guy who's gonna be bloodied up. You see, I know what the Bible says about marriage. The Bible's crystal clear. I'm gonna have the United States government after me. And he's going to be after you, follower. Fans, don't worry about it. I've done this long enough. Man, when the heat goes on and it's going to come on, it's going to come. Some of you are, are, are going to bail. The, 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 the ridicule that will happen, the, the marginalizing that will happen, the, um, the, the lies that will be told about you, 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 you're a fan, and you'll just go, I'm, I'm done with this. I like singing a song. That was kind of fun. But I don't like getting punched. But for those of us that are followers, <laughs> it's going to get ugly. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. 
We've had it pretty easy, Christian, for a lot of years in this country. And the times are changing. Here's the deal. It'll bum you out. Nothing will make you want to give up more than somebody saying false things about you or somebody spreading rumors about you. But, but Nehemiah didn't give up. He just simply denied the accusations and he prayed for, for strength. Uh, Abraham Lincoln said this, if I, were tried, if, if I were to try to read, much less answer all the attacks made against me, the shop would close for business. I do my best, the very best I know how, the very best I can. I plan to keep on doing it until the end. And if in the end it uh, brings me out wrong, then 10 angels swearing that I was right wouldn't make a difference. General MacArthur and Winston Churchill both said this, we don't answer criticism, we don't respond to slander, we don't respond to accusation. If we did, it would take all of our time just fighting these attacks. You see, Nehemiah knew something. If I start dealing with all these attacks, guess what? The crews are going to have to shut down because I'm not going to be there to, 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 to lead them and keep them going and motivating them and doing all the things I got to do. I'm going to be spending all my time dealing with all these accusations, running back four or five months to King Eric Xerxes. No, King, I promise you, I'm not trying to take over. And then four or five months getting back. If he would have been you know, committed to dealing with all these accusations, the wall would never have gotten done. He didn't give up. If you're a leader, you just got to realize that there's going to be people out there that try to distract you and try to get you off course. People will lie, say all kinds of crummy things uh, about you. And look, every minute you spend fighting some loser like that is a minute you're not working on your own life. Every minute you fight uh, those crummy accusations is a minute you're not building your marriage. Every minute you, 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 you fight, fighting with somebody about that out there, you're not building your family. You're not building your business. You're not building whatever it is that God's called you to do. And here we see this guy, the reason why he was a super achiever was he just didn't get caught up in that. He knew what God's will was and he was just going to go for it. And, and number three, Never give up. <laughs> Never give up. Keep working in spite of the fear people try to stir up within you or the scare tactics that they'll throw at you. Look at verse 10. He says, one day I went to the house of Shemaiah. He was the son of Delilah who was shut in at his home. And he said to me, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they're going to come and they're going to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run? Or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? Look, I'm not a priest. I can't go into the temple. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Oh, man, this is just getting worse. Shemaiah was kind of like his friend. And now he's been bought off by these guys. He's now got spies on the inside. Hey, at least I got my buddy, you know, Shemaiah. And now Shemaiah has been bought off by the enemy. He's on the inside now. This is just unbelievable. 
Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. And he had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, by going into the temple. And then they would give me a bad name and discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, oh my God, because of what they have done. In other words, he's not praying a blessing on their life. He's saying, God, would you remember them? You know, give them, a, give them a good kidney punch, God. Could you send a lightning bolt down? Ever prayed like that? I have. I've got some people out there that I've prayed, oh God, just remember how evil that guy is. First, they tried to sidetrack him. Hey, come on, let's have a little conference. Take a load off. Stop the work crews. Let's, let's talk here a little bit. Then, then they tried to slander him. Hey, what you're doing is for your own benefit. You're trying to set up your own kingdom here. Now, Artaxerxes is going to find out about this. You better, you better knock this off. Now they're trying to scare him. There are people out there that are trying to kill you. In fact, they're going to come at night. You're going to be in your bed asleep, and you don't have your security system on. And, man, they're going to slit your throat, man. Now, evidently, this man, Shemaiah, was a friend of Nehemiah's, as I said, and he was a prophet, but the bad guys, Sanballat and Tobiah, had got to him and bought him off. They said, hey, we want you to go tell your buddy, Nehemiah, that there's an assassination plot on his life, that there's going to be a hitman after him. Tell him that the only way he can be safe is to run inside the temple, because the guys won't follow him in the temple. But Nehemiah really wasn't allowed to go into the temple either. And I love Nehemiah's response. He said, should a man like me run? I'm not a fan of God, I'm a follower of God. And followers of God don't run. I'm not running from this guy. Or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? Should I sin? Yeah, that's what he was trying to get him to do. He, guy like Nehemiah wasn't allowed to be in the temple. And he says, I'm not gonna go. And I love that. Nehemiah says, I'm not going to run and hide from a bunch of losers. Plus, I know that they're not from God. Verse 12 says, I realized that God had not sent them. He realized it. He realized that the advice he was getting from his so-called friend wasn't from the Lord. Beloved, listen to me carefully. There's always going to be people out there that will come to you and tell you what God's will is for your life. And here's the, here's the bottom line. They don't have a clue what God's will is for your life. In fact, they don't even know what God's will is for their own life. But they'll tell you about all the things you need to be doing. You know, people who do this, people who come up and tell you that it's God's will for your life to do this or that or whatever, they usually have some hidden agenda like uh, Shemaiah did. You always need to be careful when you're talking with somebody who's telling you what God's will is for your life. Every once in a while, somebody new here at Big Valley Grace, they've only been here a few times, they make an appointment with me and they come in and see me and when we get together, they give me a whole plan on how we should change our church. Change the music, change the bulletin, change the way I preach, change CR, change the school, change whatever. And they always say, as I was praying, God told me that this is what you're supposed to do. And I always say, really, that's crazy because I was talking with God this morning, he didn't say a word about it. <laughs> But I guarantee if he does, I'll do it. Bye. (laughs) 
Now, I want to tell you, I'm going to tell you what I love. I love it when people send me, and I know Scott loves this, and, and Bobby loves this at, at the school. We love it when people say, hey, i got a thought for you. Ever thought about this? Hey, you know what? I, I was at a church, and I thought this was really cool. You guys ever thought about that? I love that. That's a beautiful thing. You know, we're all a family here. We, we love thoughts and ideas. It's when you go, this is God's will. You know what? Just, I don't know what your agenda is. I don't know what it is. But God's quite capable of talking to me, the pastors, the elders, school board. But if you've got suggestions, praise the Lord for that. A thought or an idea, that, nothing, wrong with, nothing, nothing wrong with that. Here's the bottom line. You always have to be aware of people saying, God told me, you know, this, because it's not always true. And it wasn't true in this case, was it? Shemaiah was a prophet. And here he was, just not talking about God's will. Now, now I want to end here real quickly by going down a side, side road for just a moment, okay? I want to explain to you where all this scheming and lying and scare tactics come from. It's important that you understand this. I'm going to give you a great theological truth here. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your guard. Beloved, make no mistake about it, behind the scenes of every conflict that has ever happened, even the one that we've been reading about here in Nehemiah, lies a conflict in the heavenly realms. Every conflict you've ever had in your marriage, in the heavenly realms, that's where the conflict began. Every conflict that you've had with your children or your parents lies with a conflict in the heavenly realms. Now, when you really understand your enemy, when you have a true understanding of, of his power, when you truly understand what Paul's saying here in Ephesians, it'll change the way you do life. It'll change the way you pray, pray I guarantee it. Most of you, until I brought this up, you never thought one moment about the devil or the demons. Not one moment about it. You woke up and you had your breakfast and you combed your hair and you brushed your teeth and you walked out the door. And that's just the way the devil wants it. It's the way the demons want it. That's right. Don't think about us. And so a little conflict happens between you and your wife. That's right. No, 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 no. The enemy's your wife. The enemy's your husband. No, it's not. The enemy is not your wife. The enemy is not your husband. The enemy is not your parents. The enemy is not your children or your boss or me. You have an enemy. He's real. That's where the conflict lies. He's just so good, he makes it look like your husband. He makes it look like your wife. He makes it look like your parents. He makes it look like your kids. He makes it look like an employee. He makes it look like whatever it might be. Peter says this, Peter gave us an incredible job description for, for Satan. He says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. 
He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Let me tell you something. Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, uh, 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 Shemaiah, <laughs> those weren't the enemy. Those weren't the enemy. Nehemiah had an enemy. He had an enemy that was trying to, trying to stop what God was doing in his life. And he understood who that enemy was, which is why he was an incredible man of prayer. You see, Satan's job description is to devour people. His job description is to somehow keep you a fan and not a follower of Christ. His job description is to keep you from accomplishing God's will for your life. His job description is to make sure you're not a godly man or a godly woman or a godly husband or a godly wife or a godly student or a godly uh, a child or a godly parent. His job description is to make sure your marriage is screwed up. And the issue is, 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 is it working? <laughs> the, the Bible's crystal clear. We've got an enemy. You have an enemy. Jesus said this in John chapter 10, the thief's purpose, the devil's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Boy, we see that in Nehemiah, don't we? The devil had a, a purpose. I want to destroy the work, Nehemiah, that you're doing. I, I want to mess up what God's doing through your life. And here we are 2,500 uh, years later, and, and his job description hasn't changed. He just wants to mess up and destroy your life. He doesn't want you to be a follower of Jesus. He's trying to destroy your family. He's trying to destroy your business. He's just trying to de destroy your integrity as a manager or a supervisor or whatever leadership position you have. Jesus said, my purpose is way different. My purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. You just follow me. You do what I say and I'll blow your mind. But the enemy's out there trying to destroy what God's trying to do. Listen, ultimately the battle is against Satan and his soldiers. The, the enemy is spiritual, you gotta write this down. The warfare is spiritual, which means the power you need has to be spiritual. The breakfast you ate this morning, the two eggs and, and bacon and bagel, have no impact on the spiritual war that you're facing. The, the pizza you're gonna have for lunch today isn't gonna help you in this spiritual battle. All pizza does, all salads do, all your breakfast does for you is keep this thing energized with calories. None of that will help you in the spiritual war that you face, that your family faces, that your marriage faces, that your business faces. None of that. That's why Paul said, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. There's a great passage that really illustrates the power of Satan or the fighting that goes on in the heavenly realm. Listen to what Jude 9 says. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but instead said, the Lord rebuke you. Even Michael, the great archangel, when he comes 
face to face with the great enemy, he says, look, I, I ain't messing with you, but I know somebody who can. And that's Jesus and his mighty power. Here, here, here's my point in all this. All the things that come up against you, okay? All the things that come up against you accomplishing God's will for your life, all the things that come up against you in your marriage, all the things that come up against you in your family, all the things that come up against you in your business or whatever, all have their roots in the demonic, which means you have to walk closely with Jesus. And when you look at the life of Nehemiah, it's obvious that he walked very closely with God, which is why he never quit. We've all heard of meth addicts, right? We've all heard of, you know, coke addicts and heroin addicts and sex addicts. Well, let me tell you what I figured out about, about Nehemiah. He was an addict. He was a prayer addict. Every time something came up, he was praying. Something happened and he started to pray. Oh God, give me strength. I mean, the guy understood the importance of prayer because he understood ultimately who the enemy was, which is why he never quit. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 18, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Those two things always go together, beloved. Listen to me. You stop praying, you'll give up. Stop praying for your own personal life, your own personal holiness, you'll give up. Stop praying for your marriage, you'll give up. Stop, stop praying for your family, You'll give up. Stop praying for your business. You'll give up. Stop praying that you'd be a great godly example as, your, as a manager or a supervisor or a vice president or the CEO or the CFO. Stop praying for that. And I guarantee you, you'll give up trying to be a godly example. In your life, you're always doing one or the other. You're either praying or you're giving up. But when you are praying, you're not gonna give up. You're not gonna give up on your own life. You're not gonna give up on your marriage. You're not gonna give up on your kids or your family or your business or whatever it is. And that was really the, the key, I think, to Nehemiah and why he was such an incredible leader. He knew how to pray. He knew who his enemy was, ultimately. And so he prays, prays, prays. Over in the venue, why don't you just shut your eyes and here, just close your eyes. I wanna pray for you. And Pastor Scott over in the venue and Scott here is gonna come up and they're gonna wrap it up with prayer. But while your eyes are closed for just a moment, maybe you have given up or you're close to giving up. Look, we got a place called the altar room and our pastors and elders and spiritual leaders of our church are always in there. And it's okay to walk in and go, hey, you know what? I'm ready to quit or I have quit on my own life, on my marriage, on my family, on my parents. I don't know what it is. Let us pray for you. That's what the church is for. We're here to be an encouragement to one another. We're to you know, stimulate one another to love and good deeds. We're to pray for one another. Every one of us in this room at one time or another has probably quit. And that's what the church is for. Let us be a blessing. Take advantage of the altar room. And I'm just grateful that this is a church that has a lot of people in it that never give up. Never. That's what makes us such a great church. Scott, will you close our time in prayer?